This is Susanna McMonagall, and you're listening to Season 2 of the 5 to 8 Shift Podcast for Parents. The 5 to 8 Shift Podcasting community exists to educate, inspire, and encourage parents throughout their own parenthood and family life adventure. Here, we talk about all the things impacting parents today, everything from health to big emotions, toddlers to teenagers, faith, self-care, stress, and so much more. We know parenting is tough work, but family life is worth every ounce of effort. We're building a community of parents to remind you that you're not alone. Family is one of life's greatest adventures. I look forward to cheering you on in your own five to eight shift. It's the most important shift of the day. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever this podcast finds you. This is your host, Susanna. Welcome to another episode of the five to eight shift. I'm thrilled that you're here today. I have a hot episode on tap for you today. Oh my goodness. I really loved this interview and I'm so excited for you guys to hear it. And if I'm being honest, I was on the fence about having Deborah and Gary on my podcast because, you know, this is kind of a sensitive subject and that's something that I'm super eager to talk to the world about. But the more I thought about it, uh, the more I really wrestled with why I wouldn't have them on my podcast. I, I really had no reason not to. And I surveyed some of my listeners and every single one said, absolutely. I would be so interested in a podcast episode on married sex. So, you know, I got to give the listeners what they want. So, I loved it. I loved the conversation. I thought it was really interesting and intriguing. And so let me back up a little bit. So I have two authors on today. I have Deborah Folletta and I have Gary Thomas on the podcast. And they are both authors and writers. And Deborah has a podcast uh, in their own rights. And so the two of them came together to write a book called Married Sex. And so they are writing about things that might feel very abnormal in a married relationship that actually lots of couples experience. And so we said this a couple times in the interview, but the truth is in this world that we live in, people are talking about everything else, right? We're talking about all these sort of intimate things that happen in life and, um, you know, and so that really pushed me to think about, you know, I'm such a believer in strong marriages and strong marriages make strong families. Why wouldn't I have these experts come on and talk about this? And so I I walked away really, you know, I really think you guys are going to enjoy this episode. So I'm going to drop you into our conversation. Like I said, Gary is a writer. Deborah is a writer. They came together. Their new book is called Married Sex, A Christian Couple's Guide to Reimagining Your Love Life. And it just came out in October. So it's a brand new book. Hit the shelves. And so they are strong believers in having a hot sex life if you are married. And, you know, the world likes to talk about, you know, I think when you're single, you're having a lot of fun. And then when you're married, you know, you got your ball and chain and you're tackled up. And they just really want to debunk that narrative and we have a lot of fun on the episode i hope you guys enjoy it i'm gonna drop you into this episode i'd love your feedback on instagram or drop a review here wherever you're listening to it this podcast uh, most of my listeners are apple spotify but we're now available on amazon and i would love for you guys to write a review and give us some feedback on what you enjoy about this episode and some of the other ones as well so that's it i'm gonna stop talking i hope you enjoy this episode with gary and deborah
All right, Deborah and Gary, welcome to the Five to Eight Shift podcast. I'm excited to have you guys here today. I'm excited about your um, your new book and the story that you're telling. And I haven't had anybody on the podcast talk about this, so this is a first. And I know my listeners are going to be excited. So, what I thought we could start out with, but I want to know how you two met. Do you even remember, Gary? <laughs> I, I don't. I'll let you answer that. So, I've always kind of been a Gary Thomas fan. Um, Gary's a little bit older than me. <laughs> He's been married for the same amount of time that I've been alive. So, you know, we're in different generations and Gary's always kind of been that older, wiser author. I remember um, in graduate school reading Gary Thomas books. And then when I became a licensed counselor, recommending Gary Thomas books, because he was one of the few authors that I felt really combined faith and spirituality, but also didn't neglect the practical stuff of marriage. And so as a counselor, that was significant to me. And then fast forward about a decade, I'm now an author in the marriage and relationship space, writing books, and Gary endorsed a few of my books. And then we actually met for the first time um, at a panel that we were doing for Focus on the Family. They have this thing called Boundless and we were doing a, a, a panel discussion. So I remember at the time for me, it was like, wow, how did I get invited to be on a panel with Gary Thomas? Because, you know, he was, he was the author I was reading in graduate school. So we kind of crossed paths through our, the professional world and both, both being authors in the relationship and marriage space. Okay. Gary, do you have anything you want to add to that? Or is that a pretty good synopsis? No, I, I think she's got it. Okay. All right. Well, Gary, I'll ask you then. Um, tell my listeners a little bit about your background in marriage and relationships. Yeah, well, I've been a writer for most of my adult life. I've done books on spiritual formation, how we grow in Christ. But then when Sacred Marriage came out, which really looks at how God uses marriage to help us grow, it just sort of took over. And more and more, I was moved into writing marriage books. I, I likened it to being a baker who really wants to bake croissants, but everybody buys the donuts. Eventually, you just have to realize I'm making donuts. Yes. So my publisher, I'd, I'd have these, how about another marriage book? And so um, that, that's what's happened. Um, and so I've done, I think, around 22 books at this point, uh, okay. depending on how you count it. You know, there are spinoff books that people sure. do, but they don't necessarily count. Um, and had been wanting to write on this topic for a while, but really it felt like just with my age, with my gender, with my limited experience, I didn't want to do it alone. And I felt someone like Deborah checked off all the boxes. She, she could speak to the younger couples. She brings in the wife's point of view. She's a licensed counselor with a whole different skill set. Um, and I was just so grateful when she said, yeah, that's something I'd like to explore doing. Okay. So Deborah, were you always writing about relationships or was this something kind of like Gary's experience where you shifted as your writing kind of went along? Yeah. You know, I started writing relationship books for singles. Oh, wow. So that was kind of where I started. I, you know, back in the day, uh, my first book was for singles about how to have healthy dating relationships. Cause I really felt the Lord kind of tell me, if you want healthy marriages, you have to start with health, healthy singles, right? Yes. And oh I'm a licensed gosh, yes. counselor. So I'm always focused on individual health, 
So even as I'm writing, you know, dating books and then marriage books and and relationship books, the the key for me was always helping people get healthy standing alone. And that kind of evolved into Mm -hmm. books about mental and emotional health. Um, And so it's kind of been a journey. God kind of takes you in different directions depending on the need, but it's exciting to be able to just help people get healthier in their relationships, but also in their personal life. Okay, good. All right. So I want to jump into a couple questions that I have um, prepped for you guys. And Deborah, I'm going to start with a question for you. So you mentioned you're a couples Mm -hmm. therapist. You guys have um, this book that just came out um, called Married Sex. So remind me when it came out. October. October. Okay. So yeah. Oh, it's fresh. Okay. It's fresh. All right. That's, that's pretty exciting. And so the book just came out married sex. And so one of the questions I wanted to start with you, Deborah, is as a couples therapist, you've worked with a lot of couples who found themselves sort of dissatisfied in their marriage, but also in their sex life. So which comes first? I think this is a great question. Which comes first, the chicken or the egg, the happy marriage or the healthy sex life. So can you speak into that for us? Yeah. You know, we found that they definitely both influence each other. Um, But I will say if I had to start somewhere as a licensed counselor, I'm always going to start with the relationship. I'm always going to go there and say, okay, let's analyze how your relationship is doing first, because sometimes what people think is a sex problem is actually a relationship problem in disguise. There's communication issues. There's wounds that haven't been dealt with. There's conflict, there's bitterness, there's hurts, there's there's an inability to express my needs. Hmm. Um, There's things I've been taught about sex that aren't healthy or good or things that have happened to me. So a lot of times we find that when we can sort through the relationship and get it as healthy as it can be, then it sets the foundation to start building on that with a healthy sex life. And of course, every now and again, you meet a couple who really does have an incredible relationship but maybe there's physical issues like hormone problems, like menopause, like depression, um, that's kind of dampening their sex drive or their, or, or causing problems in their sex life. But many times when you start working on the relationship, it also starts to impact the sex life. I always say what you do above the sheets sets the stage and fuels what happens under the sheets. I like that. That's a very good catchphrase right there. So give me, can you give me an example? Like what would this, you know, what would this look like? Or, or maybe, um, a specific sort of relationship struggle that you have seen time and time again, come up with some of the couples you've worked with. You know, one of the number one things we, we, we surveyed hundreds of people, we surveyed over 900 couples, and then we had a private Facebook group with a hundred different couples represented where we kind of asked different questions. And one of the things that came up, especially for women, was that in order to arouse my body, you first have to arouse my heart. Hmm. Like you've got to go through my heart first. And so one thing that I find in relationships that's very common is that the wife isn't feeling that emotional and spiritual and relational connection. And so it's really a struggle to get there physically. And maybe they haven't even been able to identify the problem. But I think that's a really common thing is that the the natural trajectory of marriage is drift. That's what's naturally going to happen unless you're constantly staying on top of it. 
And so when you get to a place where you've emotionally drifted and you're just trying to go through the motions sexually, yeah. it gets harder and harder, more sure. difficult and difficult because you just don't feel as close and connected and safe and intimate. And, and so that's a lot of times where we've got to start is like rebuilding that emotional connection and rekindling it and, and seeing then how that overflows into our sex life. Okay. Good. All right. I have some follow-up questions that I'm going to come back to, but I want to kick it over to Gary. So, um, you guys talk about in your book, this idea of sex expectations. I don't know if you guys came up with that word or not, but it's a great one. And it's one, you know, just in talking with girlfriends or, or, or something, you know, we've talked a lot about expectations in other areas of your life is part of that's like a, you know, a communication challenge. And so Gary, why are sex expectations half the battle. Talk to us a little bit about that. Because what you think sex should be Mm -hmm. determines how satisfied you are with what it is. And if you have this notion that you'll always desire each other sexually and you desire each other 90% of the time, you're disappointed. You think something's wrong, even though that would be really high. If you think sex is always supposed to be better than the last time, you're going to be frustrated when in real life it's, it's not. And so mm-hmm. it's getting the notion that sex is like any other part of the relationship. Um, you have different desires. Sometimes one couple, want, one spouse wants to go out and eat more often. One's more of the homebody. Sure. One wants to do all kinds of activities on vacation. One wants to stay by the beach and read. Um, and, and sex is no different. So it's going in expecting that there are things we need to work on, but what I like about this, Suzanne, is that because sex is so personal to us, working through the sexual issues helps lift up our marriage on all levels. We have to be vulnerable. We have to be honest. We can be generous. We can be forgiving. All of those things that help us understand what's going on really serve the marriage in every area that a marriage could face. So some of the expectations that it was Deborah's chapter that she deals with, though, is that um, there'll never be any problems that if you love each other, sex will be easy. Hmm. The reality is it's it's partly a physical sport. I mean, there are things that you can learn and master and there are difficulties. Bodies change at different times of the year, different times of the month, at different seasons of life. Sure. Um, every couple will face sexual issues. Um, and so just recognizing going in, okay, this doesn't mean that there's something wrong with our desire for each other or our sexual relationship. What we're experiencing is normal. It's what is to be expected in every marriage. It's just to take the pressure off that people don't freak out if they don't have everything working out perfectly. It's just normal marriage. You know, and this brings up, this brings up a a great, um, so you have me, my wheels turning here. So I hear what you're saying. I believe you. I think that's great. But I find that this is talked about very little, you know, um, I don't think people, you know, like you're at your point that this is normal. I don't think people feel that people don't feel that it's normal. So how do we, how do we normalize that conversation? You know, where would we start? You know, I'll jump in here. And to answer your question, yeah, that was a made up term, expectations. It just sounded good. <laughs> yeah, it does. I like it. Um, and, and for me as a counselor, seeing people come in to 
the counseling room with all these beliefs about sex that aren't accurate or healthy or good. And you're trying to form and, and, and shape your reality based on these false expectations. So expectations such as I'm never going to have problems. I'm always going to want sex or expectations such as sex is primarily for the man. Like, no, it's not. I mean, that's not even biblical. So we, we come to the, the marriage bed with all these beliefs and expectations that we've formed along the way, or things that have been passed down to us because of our family of origin or things that have happened to us or things that we've learned in church, well-intentioned people saying things that aren't healthy or accurate about sex. You know, even the thought of you're, you're taught your whole singlehood. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it stay away. It's bad. And then all of a sudden, somehow you're magically supposed to be like ready to go on your marriage night. Like there's a lot of unpacking of those beliefs that has to be done before you can get to a really healthy place. So, so really what you believe about sex is so important and you're right. People aren't talking about it enough, but I think part of our hope with writing this book is to start changing that narrative. Mm-hmm. to start giving people uh, prompts to talk about, things to ask, conversations to have in their marriage, um, even church leaders to give them perspective and advice and things that they can start speaking over their communities, their congregations. Even you, Susanna, having this podcast, talking about this, this is starting to change the narrative. This is starting to change the comfort level this is starting to change this expectation. So these little things that we're doing, I think can make a big impact in the end. Good. Gary, what were you going to add to that? Yeah. Well, Suzanne, one of the reasons we have to talk about this as a church and just as friends is because porn is talking about it and leading sure. people astray. Now we, we hit porn hard primarily. Uh, it's a big moral issue, but the betrayal that a spouse feels even to the point of trauma, I, yes. I don't want to, undercut that with what I'm about to say, but it's also this huge disinformation campaign. This this is a real couple I talked with and worked with where the guy was so frustrated because his wife didn't orgasm from intercourse alone. Hmm. And he thought there was something wrong with it. Until I explained, you have to read a lot of books. I talked to a lot of therapists with this, that really only about 15% of women will do that if something else isn't going on. There's not some other form of stimulation. So not only was his wife not broken, she was like most, the vast majority of women. And they said, well, afterwards, it can take up to 10 minutes to satisfy her. And I said, well, I, I've heard that it could be up to 20 minutes. So reality Susanna, he had an easier time pleasing his wife th- than most men do. And he thought because he had wrong expectations that he admitted were from porn, um, wow. that there was something wrong. And I had to tell him, they call him porn actresses for a reason they're acting i said you've got to throw out everything that you thought you understood from this and figure out what it is to make love not just to a real woman but to your wife mm-hmm. because the only thing that matters is her um, and and so we have a culture unfortunately if i'm working with younger pre-married couples um <laughs> helping them understand that Virtually everything they thought about sex going in, if they have a history with porn, is wrong. Yeah. And they have to start from the ground up. And so if we don't have these conversations like you're having today, 
people will, the default is to be misinformed. Sure. You know, and you, you hit a good point with the porn thing. The truth is people are talking about sex all the time. It's everywhere, right? It is on shows. It is in films. It is, you know, the porn industry is very alive and well, but then it seems like the, the, the married sex is that kind of falls off. That's not as sexy anymore. Right. That's not as interesting, but, um, it's, you know, obviously it's a huge part of a healthy relationship. And I think that that's such an important topic. And it's almost like you want to counter some of the other narratives about it. And it's not one of those subjects that you go to Starbucks and chit chat about your friends and compare notes, or you go to Bible study and everyone shares their experience. Like it is a private experience. And, and so that's why it's difficult when when I've, when I asked couples in the survey, like, where do you get your information about sex? The majority of them were like, uh, either nowhere or Google. (laughs) Wow. That's so telling. You don't even know what kind of advice you're going to get. But if you actually think about it, the majority of our advice about sex that we're downloading passively is through the entertainment industry and Hollywood movies. And then when, when your reality doesn't align to that, you're like, what's wrong with me when there's absolutely nothing wrong with you. That's just a false reality. That's not what sex in marriage actually looks like day to day. And so we set ourselves up against all of these false narratives Yes, and we we have all this disappointment, these unmet expectations, this frustration. And so God's word really does say a lot about sex as Gary kind of pointed out throughout the book. And so does modern psychology. And when you put the two of them together, you get a good, healthy guide to kind of start you on the journey of creating a healthy sex life, because a healthy sex life, isn't something you find something you stumble upon. It's something you have to work towards something you have to make. Yeah. And I feel like so many things in a healthy marriage really are that way, right? You have to be intentional looking for those things and making them happen and saying no to other things. So that marriage thrives. So I wanted to ask you guys, a lot of my listeners, and uh, I'll ask you, Gary, and then we'll see if Deborah has anything to add. A lot of my listeners have young kids, okay? Lots of young families. So young kids are oftentimes a stumbling block. You know, I hear that um, a lot of my listeners with young children can be, or at least they seem like having small kids is a big obstacle to a healthy sex life. All right. So what tips do you guys have? Very practical question. Susanna, I swear when you have more than two kids, you get three or more. I swear they make a pack. We must never <laughs> let them have sex again. <laughs> I, I don't know if they're worried that we'll give birth to some demon spawn that will wreck the family or if the inheritance <laughs> keeps getting diluted. But they, they, you know, they have nightmares. They have oh, yeah. stomach aches. They invite insomniac friends over. <laughs> um, it's, it's amazing. And what I've just said in seminars is we just have to make sure they lose for their good when we realize what sex can do for the relationship, that we need it to be a priority. I I would put it this way, Susanna, if I never had time to eat, I'm going to get hangry. You are. I'm going to be irritable. I'm not going to be patient. I'm not going to be attentive. I'm just going to be thinking. And I think there's a certain thing of being sexually hangry at a certain point where you're just frustrated. You're not connecting as a couple. Um, And you might not even realize it's just you haven't been intimate for a while. But I I think we want to create a healthy home 
for our children. It's not just what we do with them. It's the kind of environment we create. And a big part of that environment is the emotional environment with mm-hmm. a husband and a wife that, that cherish each other, that are affectionate and they touch each other and, and sex helps to feed that. And so, you know, I'm, I'm a fan when you have younger kids of hotel sex, there you go. sometimes you, you just got to get away yeah. and, and just not worry about anybody hearing anything or any interruptions at exactly the wrong time. Uh, you, you can't do that all the time. You know, we, we talk to couples where they realize sometimes they get into more and more quickies, but we talked to one couple where they realize, but if you only exist on quickies, it's like fast food. You're not mm-hmm. hungry. It stills that immediate hunger, but it doesn't feed the body and quickie sex doesn't always feed the relationship. So I, I think it's, it's making it a priority. And what Lisa and I found is that you have to plot, you have to plan. You have two adults, you can be creative. You've got to find ways because you believe it matters for them as much as for you. Sure. Sure. No, the fast, the fast food analogy is a good one. Deborah, do you, what would you add to that? Well, I'm kind of in the thick of it right now. I've got four kids. My youngest is nine months old. And so um, I found just practically and professionally with the clients that I work with, but also in my personal life. I mean, this is important because your sex life is telling of so much. If, If the overflow of your marriage is your sex life, then when you're not having sex, it's telling like, it's important to get to the why, what is happening underneath the surface that's preventing us from connecting. And are we putting our children before our marriage? Are we putting our children before our own self care, um, before the care of our relationship? Do we have too much going on in our schedule? You know, sometimes it's just about saying no and eliminating things and not feeling like we've got to say yes to everything and everyone except our marriage, except our relationship, except ourselves. So there's a lot of things I think that it reveals about us um, and our boundaries and our priorities and just kind of making, obviously we can't neglect the baby, you know, sure. like there's, there's <laughs> yes. practical things, Yes. but at the same time, what does it look like to also prioritize our marriage in different seasons? And it looks different in different yeah. seasons. And I think we have to have grace mm-hmm. and understanding with one another and make sure we're connecting on other levels when sex isn't practical. Um, but at the same time, learning to prioritize it, even if that means popping in a movie, and, you know, connecting for a little bit while the kids are watching a movie and sure. whatever that looks like. Um, but I think the key is also talking about it, you know, yeah. making sure you and your spouse are like, Hey, what's the why behind mm-hmm. why we're having sex this amount of time? Are we satisfied? What does that look like? What can we do differently? And just communicating about it as a couple. Okay. Yeah. I feel like a lot of the things that you guys are saying are underlying, you know, the, the underlining one of the pieces is just having communication, whether that is what you're dissatisfied about or what your needs are, um, but really being more open about that and hope, you know, and hoping that, that that's received well. Right. Yeah. In one of the chapters in the book, it's called choose your own adventure. And Gary starts that chapter talking about different sexual positions and why they're meaningful emotionally 
not just like physically even, but digging a little bit deeper of the different emotional postures that come from different positions. And then I end that chapter talking about the importance of talking about this stuff and, and giving you a guide of how to talk about your sex life, how to communicate, what to start with, what not to start with questions to ask, because sure, it might be easier to have sex, but it's important to talk about it and get comfortable talking about it. And for some people who come from pasts where that wasn't the comfort. Oh yeah. You know, like, it's like, Oh, you don't even say the word. Like I literally had a conversation (laughs) with someone yesterday about my book and she was like, I can't even say the word. I still spell it out. (laughs) S-E-X, you know, a grown woman. Oh my And it's like, you know, also, since this is a podcast where we're focused on parents, yeah, how we perceive the topic, our comfort level, our, the atmosphere that we create overflows into the life of our kids. Absolutely. They don't know that it's awkward to talk about sex unless we make it awkward to talk about sex. So a lot of times we've got to work that out in our own life, in our own relationship, because that's going to impact the next generation. 100%. I couldn't agree more. I feel like parenting, you're modeling everything, right? And you can't expect them to have some of these skills if you're not modeling it yourself. Um, Gary, what are you going to add there? When it comes to the importance of communication, Suzanne, I found it's helpful to have couples discuss not just the what, but the why. Yeah. Couples think of communication as describing what I want or what I need. I want them to go a little further in communication as to why. I heard a woman one time mentioning to talking about her husband saying, when we're not intimate on a regular basis, she goes, I I know you get busy. I know you have a lot of stress. She goes, I start to think I'm not desirable to you. I'm not attractive to you. Maybe I'm a boring lover. And she goes, I just go into some really toxic, dangerous places that terrify me. So she's not just telling him, I want more sex. She's saying, this is why, this is what it means to me. And it completely changed the climate of their marriage when he realized, okay, I I, I see what's, what's going on. And so don't just talk about the what you want, talk about the why, be vulnerable, seek empathy and understanding. And so Thank you, Gary. That's so great. And Gary, I want you to um, speak into the last question I have for you guys is what is the hallmark of a healthy sex life? You know, like what, what should people really be aspiring to when they are making these changes or having communication that's better and more grounded and really pouring into the relationship and their families? Yeah, I think mutual pleasure is a big thing. Neither partner feels used, both feel cherished desired, pleased. Uh, they, they both take pleasure in the pleasure of, of their spouse. Yeah. Uh, I think it's sex that builds someone's up their, their sense of worth. So it's not demeaning. They don't feel coerced. They don't feel manipulated. They don't feel like they're being used. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's, you want them to come out of the experience feeling better about themselves, closer to you. And I would even add Worshiping the God who created sex, seeing it as a healthy thing that God designed. So, you know, I don't want it to be anything that violates their conscience where they feel like they have to repent. Sure. Uh, I don't want it to do anything that makes them feel less about themselves where they feel hurt or abused or demeaned. And I, I want them to feel um, pleasure and, and closer to their spouse because of it. Okay. Awesome. Deborah, what would you add to that? You know, I, I, 
definitely agree. I think mutuality is the key word. And some things that inhibit mutuality are things from our past. And so there's a whole chapter in the book about how you have to go backwards and deal with some of your past before you can move forward. Something else that inhibits mutuality is sometimes a lack of education and understanding. We've got different bodies, you know, we're different human beings. And so in the book, we have one entire section about what gets him going. And then one entire section about what gets her going. So each spouse can kind of understand how to help each other that we have a a chapter called what gets you going? What does it look like to take ownership of your own Hmm. sex drive? And then Gary's got this awesome chapter about the five senses of sex, how to integrate all the different senses and how it's biblical. And what does that look like? So sometimes I think even the lack of mutuality, it's, he doesn't know how to pleasure me Mm. and, or, or she doesn't know she doesn't, you know, cause we're different. Right. And so I, I'm, I'm, my prayer is that these topics will get couples to start talking like, okay, according to this, this, this many men say, this is helpful for them. Does that work for you? Or, or what, what makes you feel good? Or what do you think about this section? And just get couples really talking about sex in a mutual reciprocal way. Yeah. And that's what I love about a resource like this. Cause you know, let's say you're going to sit down at you know, sit down after the kids go to bed at eight 45 and you're like, let's, let's just talk about how we can do it better. Right. But now you have like a guide and you have a book right. and you have prompts. And I feel like that's so helpful when it can be awkward or just something that you don't know about. And I, that's why I think it's such a great resource. The, my favorite story was from a couple who listened to the audio book together. She, she had the book open and he put it on audio and they just sat in bed and would read a little bit at a time, listen to a little bit at a time. They pause it. And then be like, okay, let's talk about this. What did you think about that? Did that resonate with you? What did you think about this story? I love that. I'm like, talk about taking initiative and allowing this resource to draw them together, hear each other's perspectives, start the dialogue. So that's what I'm hoping it does for many couples. Yeah, actually the Audible book is a great idea. Okay, so we're running short on time here. Tell me, where can people get the book? Where can people connect with you guys? Gary, I'll start with you. Uh, well, the, the site for the book is marriedsex.us. Uh, they can see it at Christian Book Distributors, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, any place would, um, would, would carry it. And then for okay. me, my website is garythomas.com. So if they remember my name, Gary Thomas, put it .com, and they can find what they need to know about me. Okay, wonderful. Deborah, what about you? I know you do a lot on Instagram. Yeah, I'm on Instagram at Deborah Faleda. And then my relationship advice blog is called truelovedates.com. That's where I have my podcast and all kinds of articles and resources for relationships. And we'd also encourage people, you know, if you buy the book on Amazon or Barnes and Noble or wherever, we love hearing from you. Leave a review. Let us know how the book is impacting you and your marriage and um, you know, we just love getting your feedback. So we're excited to get this book into the hands of many different couples. And we're praying that it has a big impact on not just their sex life, but also on their relationship. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, sex life, relationship, family life, ripple effect into, you know, all the other ways that people show up in the world. So I'm really excited about this. Thank you guys so much for being here. I know scheduling is like such a disaster, (laughs) even on Zoom. 
So I'm so appreciative of you guys making time to do this. I really appreciate it. Happy to do it, Suzanne. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us and for being um, one of the people who's changing the narrative and, and opening discussions about this important subject. Thanks for listening in today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Be sure to share with us on Instagram what you liked most about the episode by tagging me at Susanna.McMonagle. And lastly, if you want more information about the 5 to 8 shift, you can check out our website, the5to8shift.com. We'll see you guys next time.